Hi, Paul Scanlon here. Thanks for taking the time to click on my podcast. I want to spend time focusing on my primary passions of leadership, personal development, communication, growing big people, and I hope that these podcasts really help and add value to your life and to your journey. Thanks for tuning in. Well, this last uh, week or two, I've been speaking to you Um, And if you weren't here, you can get the uh, MP3s or the CDs to get up to date with what we've been talking about with regard to our self-image, that God created us in his image. And we began reading, and I'll read you again, but from the Message Bible this time, from Genesis 1, verse 26. If you're not familiar with this passage, then maybe you're not a Christian or The Christians, you know, don't know much about the Bible. God spoke, let us make man human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. So God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's Nature. He created them male and female. So we were created out of God's self-image. It may have never occurred to you that not only do you have a self-image, but God has a self-image. And out of God's image of himself, he created people. So we are like God, and God is like us. That That is the penultimate of God's creative brilliance and genius, that the final and crowning glory of his creative act for six days was that he created people. But he did something with people he didn't do with anything else in creation, as we began to see last week, and again we'll see today. We are able to reflect some of what I mentioned that we call God's communicable attributes. Because God is omnipresent, we have a sense of presence. Because God is all-knowing, we also know stuff. Not that we are like him to the ultimate expression of that, but all those things that human beings are able to do and wonder where they got from, they didn't get from their parents or from their education, they got from God. Every human being is created in the image of God. Of course, fallen man and man separated from God is unaware of where his brilliance and innate genius comes from. But we're created in the image of God. At the core of the study and the understanding of self-image is something we have to call and understand as self-awareness. Self-awareness is not self-consciousness. Self-consciousness is inward and not healthy. To have you always on your mind, I was always on my mind as the song goes, is not good. We're not talking about self-consciousness. Self-awareness is outward and is healthy. Self-awareness is an essential part of understanding who you are as a person. Self-awareness isn't just awareness that you exist, but awareness of your individuality and your uniqueness. When we get into this stuff, we're getting now beyond the generic big picture of God created you in his image, and we're getting down to who, exactly who, God made you to be, because you are all uniquely and specifically and forensically different to the person next to you. Even if the person next to you knows you more than anyone else on the planet, you are a one-off, unique, best-spoke, original person. Now the problem in the church is we have not celebrated difference. 
So if the church is the main place you've tried to find that, you've probably been struggling all your life. We are the only species ever created with the capacity for self-awareness. I promise you that today, the wildlife gathering around the pool and the watering hole and the Serengeti of Africa are not meeting to contemplate the meaning of life. The wildebeest are not saying to the hyenas, hey, why are we here? What is the purpose of life? There must be more to life than meeting here every day, having a drink and going off and you hunt us and we fight you and we all avoid the lions. Is this all there is to the meaning of life? It's only people that ask the question, why would God be mindful of me? Who am I that God would be interested in me as King David said in the Psalms? What is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man who are our children that you will be mindful of them? It's only human beings that are conscious of something bigger than ourselves and constantly ask the question in millions of ways that we ask that question and don't know we're asking that question. Why am I here? What is my life about? Is there more to life than that which I currently understand and experiencing? And that, we hope, begins the quest and the search that brings people towards God. Of course, the chances of that are much higher in a God-conscious country. They're much less, much less in the favor of the seeker if they're in a country like ours where 98% are non-church and and many anti-church people. If you were to wake up today and question the meaning of life, I don't think church would be the next thought that comes to your head. In many church-going parts of of the world, I promise you, the thought of going to church as part of the discovery of who you are and why I'm here is very much an option for people, but not in our country. And we are doing our bit together with others in this country to narrow those odds and to make that a more common thought in people's minds. But self-awareness, not self-consciousness now, self-awareness is vital in discovering your calling and your vocation. Because if you don't know who you are and you're not aware of yourself, you're probably going to, you're probably going to put your life in a direction that is not where you were made to be going. And so finding what you are good at, finding what you are strong in, finding what God made you gifted in, you're never going to find that without an understanding of self-awareness that is essential to self-image. Now the problem is our image is so hammered. Our self-image has been so hammered by life, by people, by experiences, by stuff we've gone through that we are totally unaware of ourselves and our uniqueness. We are all... Therefore, someone else's version of who God really intended us to be. And you spend your life fighting off other people's versions of you, all other people's opinions of you, to try and get down to the bare essential discovery of who God really made you to be. This stuff that I'm teaching you today is not easy. You may sit and listen to this and feel no pain, but I promise you, there is huge pain and discomfort and risk and danger between where you are and where you want to be in terms of discovering who God really made you to be. And the sooner we find that out, the more life you have left to live, lived as the person God intended you to really be. But because we have not celebrated uniqueness and individuality in the church, we've been threatened by it, then we've produced churches full of same-looking, conformity, kind of uniform-looking Christianity which has made our churches by and large shallow and wooden and quite boring, which is not very appealing to a world that celebrates at least a little bit of difference. That when people come amongst us, I want them to find that we don't all look the same, we don't all sound the same, we don't all think the same, we don't all live and drive 
the same. We don't all order the same coffee. We don't all sit in the same seat. We don't all wear the same color every week, have the same hairstyle. We don't go the same place on vacation. We don't live on the same street in the same house. We don't earn the same money. We don't have the same number of kids. We don't all call our kids the same names. That we have variety. At least a world that understands and celebrates that would want to find an example of that in the life of the church. But what I think the world should find in the church is not only that, that is basics, but in the church they would find such a range of species, such a variety of people that we love and we celebrate. They said that Jesus was a glutton and a drunkard. And they said John the Baptist was demon-possessed. In other words, because neither of them fitted the mold of the status quo of the church as it was then. The Pharisees and the, uh, and the religious order they represented in, uh, in the Jewish synagogues of the time and the Jewish mindset of the time. Because Jesus and John didn't fit the mold and because you don't fit the mold, people can't handle you. So they have to, they have to label you as something. Now what they label you as is probably a million miles from the truth, but it makes them feel that they've tidied you up and they've labeled you and now they feel safe with you and then whenever your name comes up, they mention the thing that they think about you and they've categorized you. We, we develop a thing called the hardening of the categories towards each other and towards people and the church, there's no place like the church for this stuff. I hate it, it stinks, it is a million miles from what we're intended to be and live like, but the church is riddled with it. And I get fed up with going around the world and, and, and knowing what's coming next when it comes to church. And I go to great churches. I think I go to contemporary cutting edge churches, but you always, and that may be the leadership mindset and culture, but you always bump into people that, that just, just let you know that if you were hoping to be surprised, you're probably not going to be, in some of the conversations, some of the mindsets that you, that you track and, and touch across the world. And uh, so Jesus is a glutton and John doesn't do what Jesus did because he doesn't eat and drink. John fasts and doesn't eat much and he's not known for his gluttony and John doesn't hang out with sinners like Jesus did. He's in the wilderness, he's a bit weird. He dresses weird, he eats weird, he sounds weird, he looks weird. And so we label John. <clears throat> but the truth is, whether it's Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or Benny Hinn or Joyce Meyer, there is no one size fits all. Whether you are in a white suit with an interesting hairstyle or whether you wear a dress, I don't mean Benny, but... <clears throat> or whether you are a white, conservative person that talks very gently. Uh, there are others that do great Joel Osteen impressions. I won't attempt or T.D. Jake's impression, but... I'm only giving you those names because there may be people you would know and they're so varied in their style. And you may have your favorite and that's cool. But, but your favorite or my favorite or one you lean towards more than another doesn't mean that that is the only type and the only kind around which we camp and become separated and become ultimately divided over. There is no one size fits all. It's all good. Black, white, shouting, spitting, gently spoken, White suit, dress, man, woman, old, young, it's all good. It's all part of this rich variety of self-image that God wants us to discover. 
It's been said that the major problem of our time perhaps is that, is that of the developing capacity that we have to not value human difference. That we are becoming less and less tolerant of people that are different to us in the way that they think, the way that they view life, their perception of life. That all over the world there are conflicts and wars of all shapes and sizes, many we know of, many we don't, that are rooted in this belief that if you're different to me, and if there's a difference between us, that means one of us is right, one of us is wrong. One of us is valuable, one of us isn't. One of us is important, one of us is secondary. One's better, one's worse. And when it comes to different kinds of people, there is no right and wrong. There is no better or worse. We've got to take those words away from, from our relationships and from our perception and view of people. Now, you may have preferences. You may say, well, I don't really like that style or that kind of person isn't my thing. That's cool. We're always going to have that, and that's good as long as it comes from that healthy, large heart that says, that's not really my thing, but I'm glad it's your thing, and I celebrate the difference that you bring. Ultimately, if it's different to me, it becomes you have no rights. And I get to work on minimizing your rights to exist, your rights to an opinion, your rights to be involved, your rights to volunteer, your rights to carry weight, your rights to be in leadership over me, because I don't like how you are, you're not my type. And I promise you, the church for generations is divided over, over types, over preferences for types. And I think it's ridiculous because I think God's intended that we all learn to flow together and to enjoy and celebrate the variety that is people, that is humanity, and that is the church. Human nature is such that once we have declared some difference between us and someone else as unacceptable, we extend that reaction to many other differences that were nothing to do with the first thing we decided we didn't like. It's obvious that the differences that are dividing the world are to do with gender and race and religion, but personality differences, though far more subtle, and we might feel less dramatic in their consequences as race, gender, or religion, I promise you, they're still subject to the same force of hatred that produces wars and divisions amongst nations and peoples. So just because it's more subtle, and I don't like you and you don't like me, and we don't get on because we're different types, doesn't mean that the same force that drives people ultimately to divide along massive fault lines in our society is not present in our non-celebration of different types. Your preferred flock or tribe or group may be here today, may not be here today, but I want you to pause and put that whole processing of thinking on hold because if you're going to enjoy your life and enjoy your life in the same place with God knows who might come and sit next to you next week or who might be volunteering with you on a team or who might come and work next to you in your, in your work life or who might come and live next door to you as your neighbor, you can't go and live on a desert island and surround yourself with yourself. Many people try to do that. But the moment you step off that desert island, you bump into someone else that you don't like and you're back into your desert island mentality again. The world is full of people that are not your tribe or your type. And it's good to know your tribe and your flock, but there are many others that God has made, all of them amazing in their own way and in their own right. It's part of our survival programming to not spend too much time with people that are really different to us. 
We don't mind it now and then, but to spend prolonged time with people that are really different to us, we feel as a threat to our very survival and existence. So we develop this, this resistance to people that makes us stand off and we navigate our life around everybody we don't like. It's a flaw in logic to assume that if you're understood, you must be valued. Kids think that when mum and dad understand their behavior, it means they condone it. And so the kids carry on doing it. And as human beings, we think that because we're understood, it must mean we're valued. And it's not necessarily true. Understanding is a good part towards valuing each other, but I might understand you and still hate you. We may understand the plight of minorities and the plight of the poor, but understanding the plight of the poor is not necessarily changing social attitudes towards the poor in our country or in our inner cities. So we're not after today. Our prize is not understanding each other. Our prize is not understanding that we're different. It's, it's, a, poor, it's a poor goal to aim for. It's part of our journey, but to move beyond just understanding that we're different to celebrating our difference is a whole nother leap. Nine out of ten top Google searches for valuing what about business and property and taxation calculations. There was nothing in the top ten searches on Google about valuing to do with people, to do with each other. It's just not part of what we even think is necessary to do. It's not part of our culture to value people and value one another and see the value of the difference in our types. Having said all that, I, I want to focus on personality types a little bit with you today and probably into next week. Because to understand your, your personality type is to become more self-aware. And being more self-aware, I'm saying to you, I think it's got to be a good thing. It might be scary. But at the end of it, you're going to get more in touch with who you are and who God made you to be, you're going to find out your identity. And through your identity, you'll find your calling, your vocation, your passion, your gifts, your abilities. But we've got to get you, first of all, to become more aware of you than you are of what others think of you. Or than you are of what others think you should or shouldn't be doing. And all over the world, people are getting out of things they've done all their life to go and do what they now realize they should have been doing all their life. Discovering their passions, their joys, their interests because they've suddenly realized I'm in my midlife and I hate what I do and I don't know why I did what I did or went and studied what I studied at university but what I'd really love to do in my life is. And I'm abandoning careers and big salaries and, and opportunities that that gave them to go and find their niche that's more to do with how they've discovered God made them as a person. I tell you that is a great, great discovery to make and sooner, better than later. When I mention type, <clears throat> I don't mean stereotype. Every one of you in here, every one of us leans in our personality towards a certain type. It doesn't mean that's the only expression you're capable of. It means that's your primary kind of autopilot default mode as a person. That, that when you're not intensely trying to please someone or fit in with the crowd, that when you're on your own, that would be the true north you gravitate to, would be that type of person that you've been characterized or categorized as. But I, I say that because I don't want you to think that type means that you typecast. When I mention the word type, think of typical, rather than you've fastened in 
this label people put on you. Because we all are able to feed to a degree from different kinds of roots. We are all, we are all made up of different influences, but there'll be one primary leaning that we have as a person. Personality type is more a habit of mind rather than a fixed, unbreakable pattern that's on your life. It is, it is more governed by how you have thought as you have grown and, and have become an adult. It is more how you think that, that governs the personality pattern that governs your life. Um, type suggests a primary pattern through which we engage life. Um, those that study personality and experts on this, I think it's an interesting study, say that your personality type is really governed by the energy flow in your life. Whether you are a person that drains energy, an introvert, or a person that gives energy, an extrovert. Now when you're around people that drain you, although the conversation may not be uh, one that made you aware, strength was leaving you, energy was leaving you, emotions were being drained from you, when you're with a person that's more of a taker in life or a, a self-absorbed person or an inward-looking person, it's draining to be around them. And what personality type uh, experts say is that if you are a taking person, an introverted person, then that clearly is a major indication to the type of person you are. Being an introverted person is not wrong and it's not bad. It just makes you different. We celebrate that about you because there's a lot about that that we also need in life and need in the church. If you are a person that when you're around them, they're bubbly and they give life and you feel a buzz and energy, they're probably an extrovert, outgoing person and the flow that comes off them is always towards you. It never takes from you. Well, that flow of energy gives you an indication that they are an outgoing, extroverted type and we celebrate those two. They're not better, they're not worse, they're not more valued, and the introverts are less valued. Remember this language now, so that you don't think, you know, up here I'm leaning towards one or the other. I have my preferences, I have people I would rather be around than others because you just buzz off some better than others. But I've realized that I've studied this more and understood through scripture the different personalities and characters. That they're all, it's all good, it's all good, and there's a place for all kinds in our lives. Even fingerprints. You know, we, we, we have talked a lot about this metaphor of the fingerprints being one of the greatest indications of our uniqueness physically and therefore our uniqueness as a person. But even fingerprints, the FBI, divide into four, into four categories. They divide fingerprints that are our mark of uniqueness into loops, arcs, whirls, and accidental lines. So even your fingerprints are banded into groups. So we're not that unique that, we make, that our fingerprints make us think we are. So even if we say, well, I'm unique because of my fingerprints. Well, if you're a looper, you're probably amongst millions of loopers in the world and you'd be lumped in with that lot. What I'm talking about in terms of your types is even more unique than your fingerprints. Do you remember the, um, the movie, the first Harry Potter movie where they had the sorting hat? Uh, I'm sorry to upset you for mentioning Harry Potter in the church. <laughs> is that what that was then? It's like, okay, it's, what is this? I'm going to play you a clip from Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, I thought about this clip and I thought, I could play you a clip from something more upsetting. 
like EastEnders. <laughs> there are no many of you watch with no problem, but you've demonized Harry Potter that won't do you any harm at all. Um, and I find this, uh, this little clip quite interesting because of the way the hat identified the individuality of each person that was going to sit under the hat and because of its individual discovery of who they were without others saying who they were or others voting where they should go. When you were at school, like me, did you have, we, when I was at school, we had, a, we had houses. We had the falcons and the eagles. We, ours, were, ours were birds of prey. And I don't know what science, if any, was behind which house you went to, but you were all put into a house when you arrived, whether it was based on short numbers or some rotor system. I don't think it was based on discovering, you know, that Matt is a, is a great singer-songwriter, therefore we'll put him in this house because that's where all the creative kind of people go. I don't think it was that thought through at all. So I don't know that the house thing helped any of us, but in Hogwarts it did. And you were, from the day you arrived, you were, you were allocated to the people that, that were your type of people and the sorting hat was the hat that decided that. Do you wish you'd have had a sorting hat at your school? <laughs> or in your life at some point? Especially on the careers day at school. When he went to talk to the careers advisor, or the careers hinderer as I called him, <clears throat> about what you should do for the rest of your life. And told him what you thought you'd like to do. And of course when he read your little CV... He had already decided what you should do and people like you do. And of course, from my case, as I've said to you many times, I was confined by the school I was in and the education system institutionalizes us kids. And I'm in the secondary school. And so kids like us only ever would aspire to certain occupations. And that was the day of apprenticeships. So if your dad was a miner or an engineer, then that's what you should get into. And it was as small and as narrow as that was the conversation about where we should spend our lives. And there was no thought to individuality. In fact, the careers day, we had hundreds of kids all went through the system at once. You got about five minutes each with the careers teacher. But if we could have sat that day and could have had a hat on our head that said, you should be pursuing this. This is going to be great for your type of personality. At least we'd have all been pointed in the right direction. We wouldn't have spent years doing what we hated doing and then maybe later on in life, if ever, realized that we'd wasted our strength in things that were not in keeping with our bent and our passion and our wiring because we were so unself-aware of how God made us to be. Because the problem with that is, too, that no one can ever tell you what type you are. You can only discover it. I came up in a culture, church culture, where we laid hands on people and prophesied over them and said things over them that often messed us up, that we were told we were this or we were that and, and labeled and, and, and we pursued that not knowing whether or not it was true and just assumed that because it was prophesied over us, we trusted those that did that, but it never really produced much in us apart from frustration of trying to be something that we thought we were, but we weren't. You can never be told the type that you are. You can only be released and create a culture, and we must do that for each other and for our kids, where we allow you to have time to discover, the room to discover your type. I've met so many young people around the world that are their parents' version of who they think they should be, that are studying things that their parents think they should study, 
that are pursuing interests that their parents would rather that they did. And your parents love you and we love our young people and our kids, but the truth is that maybe they're not going to be a reproduction of you. Maybe they're not going to pursue the same area that you were interested in. And there's nothing wrong with giving guidance to our kids and giving advice to our kids, but please let's never, let's never typecast them. Let's never set in stone uh, decisions about their life. Let's leave room for them to find who God has made them to be, even though it might be a million miles from what you thought. And when your kid is in their teenage years and they come home with a, a tattoo and an earring and a Mohawk hairstyle, and you are a professor of English, or a very respected business person in the community, don't be ashamed of your kids. Celebrate the difference that your kids are representing in the community. But often we can't make that stride. We can't bridge that gap. And so again, early on, becomes a generational separation between the children and the parents because the parents don't allow the kids to be themselves. But if you are a person that is interested, and I hope you are, about discovering your real identity. This stuff I wish someone had taught me when I was a young person. This stuff at least will give you permission to explore the difference that maybe you represent today instead of feeling bad and awkward. And maybe you'll leave today with a little bit more tolerance for those in your world that you keep complaining about that are different to you. Of course they're different to you. You are different to them. This is not about making one size fits all or making me easy for you or you for me. It's about saying, hey, we're different and we need to learn to celebrate. And if I've learned anything this last 10 years in reaching so many different people in this community, it has been in this whole area of thinking. Some of us are more intuition-based as a type of person. Some of us are more thinking-based in our approach and perception of life. Some of us think based on interest and our attention to things. Some of us think mainly with our feelings. And we are thinkers, but we think led by our feelings. And, and all of those are good and all of those are different. We all have a preference. It's like a pole that we gravitate to in life. And that's the kind of person and the type of person God has made us to be. From how we wake up in the morning to how we are just before we go to sleep is an indication of the type of person that we are. Some of you leap out of bed in the morning. You can't wait for the night to be over. You seize the day. You run into your day. Already on your mind is what you have to do today. You are so driven, so full of purpose, so goal-oriented. But if you are married to someone that has a slower start to the day, shall we say, it will forever be a conflict between you the strange thing is that, that in life, we, we celebrate compatibility, but in marriage, opposites attract. So we, we want compatibility, but then we like the fact that she or he's really different to me, and then when we get married and have problems, we blame the person we chose for the difference that they are. <laughs> And it comes down to these very forensic things that you often can't know until you're married and it's too late to change your mind. And one's a spender and one's a saver and one's a loud person, one's a quiet person and one's a talker and one's not so much a talker 
and one thinks with feelings and one thinks with logic. One is all touchy-feely and one's Mr. Spock. <laughs> but you're now doing life together. You're working together at work or you are married or you are friends or whatever. Some people have a snooze button relationship in the morning. that They don't get up and they don't go to sleep. They're kind of in that twilight zone and keep hitting the snooze button for 10 more minutes and dragging it out. From how you are first thing on a morning to how you begin your day, whether you pull the covers over and go under the duvet, curl up in a ball, or throw them back no matter what the weather is and hit the floor singing, it is an indication of the type of person you are. A detailed person will spend the day concerned with precision and timings and accuracy will be all important to them as they go through the day. Some people, the day is like an impressionist painting. It's just a view of the big picture. I don't see details. I don't see patterns. I don't see all the things that others see around me. I'm just kind of aware of the bigger picture. I just get an impression. I have an impression of my day. What do you mean I had to be there half an hour ago? I just have a general impression of the day. Some of you are like that. And when we're doing life together, you become aware of these different types. Now we either kill each other for the variation and type, or we try to find something in that type that just may represent something that we have never appreciated before. And that's really what I'm after in, in, in taking time out with you last week and today and probably next week to get you to think a lot more seriously about the different type of person that God has made you to be. Because when God created you in his image, it wasn't just he created you in his image in that big picture way. But now he's created you to be an introvert because God is introverted. He created you to be extrovert because God is extrovert. He created you to think with your feelings because God often is moved by his feelings. He created you to be a thinker because God is a thinker. He created you to have a range of moods because God is moody. Did you know God is moody? God has at least seven moods in scripture. All of them are good, by the way. None of them are bad. But on any given day, in any one mood God might be in, if it's angry, you might think that God's not God anymore. I don't like him. I'm going to check out. I prefer God when he's in a happy mood. God, if you, are, if you are a person that has moods, moods are God's image. God is a moody God. But we've, we've taken the word moody and made it all bad. All God's moods are good. And so the fact that you have moods doesn't make you a bad person or a less than Christ-like person. As long as your moods are all healthy and are all contributing somehow, every mood can be good. Moods are good. I celebrate moods. It's good to have variation of moods. I'd hate to be with somebody that's swinging from chandeliers all the time. Do my head in. Do my head in. It's nice now and then, but you think eventually you think, you know what? I just like somebody that's a bit more, a bit more downbeat now and then. Be nice. And if you're with somebody that's like singing all day and bouncing around the house all day like Tigger, <laughs> and you're more of an Eeyore person, it's difficult. Unless you celebrate the different types that God has placed around us. And that's really what I'm after. And I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this to me, I'm teaching it to you, because I think there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of this stuff coming up in our future. As we expand and as we reach our community and as we move out across the world in different spheres, in different realms of influence, I just think there's a lot of different kinds of people that we 
that we have a chance to do life with. We don't have to do life with them, but we have a chance to. We don't need to marry them, make them our best friends, but they're going to be really different, quirky people. But Canon Andrew White, different. He's going to come and be with us again next year. We've got a date planned to come because I know you all loved him, and I'm glad you loved him. Different. Different. Carl Lentz that was here. Different. Different. Steve Matthew. Different. Just different. Don't, don't you like that difference? We're not asking you to take that person home and, and live with them for... You know, we're not going to have a big brother and all move in together. But just to get a little glimpse and think, you know what, I, I, that, I enjoyed that. That's why one of the reasons why we, why we bring people in. Um, it's great to have a different voice, but just that different personality. And often when a person comes, we're not choosing people based on a personality. We're just choosing them based on whatever they're doing and they've got something to say. And, but then with them comes that personality with all its oddities and quirkiness and funny sense of humor and take on life. And, and I think that's what we bring when we go around the world to different places. People think, wow, that's interesting. That's different. I really like that. I don't like that. It's great. I love it. If you today, or any church expression, you sit there and think, I don't really like that. I'm glad that was all I didn't like. I didn't like the person shouted too much and you know, wanted too much feedback from us or was a bit quirky or that was a bit weird. or Good. That's good. Don't think, I'm going to go to a church where I'm never disturbed. My karma's never affected. <laughs> it's just the same all the time. It's even. It's level. I, I, I just, I want that kind of church. Good luck. Good luck. Because if it exists, you should run a million miles from it. And if it exists and you arrive and nothing changes when you arrive, how awful is that? What's it say about you? I arrived and it just stayed exactly the same. I don't want that. And you might say, well, I, I, I like to I have enough change in my, there's enough variety in my week. You know, in our, in our workplace, there's all this stuff going on. I like to come to the house of God and just... Just know what's going on. Just feel comfortable. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. We can't guarantee you a safe church experience. And from the car park to the service, we want you to be a little bit on edge. In a good way. Thinking I'm just amongst really interesting people. And I have developed, and I want to develop an interest in interesting people. It takes all sorts, as they say. And it does. And we want that ethic that the world kind of understand and celebrate to the degree that they do. Many of them do better than we do in the church. We want that to be in the house of God. Well, thanks again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you found it beneficial. And uh, I know time is precious commodity for us all, but I would love it if you would take the time to write a review or comment. And above all, maybe subscribe to my podcast channel. Thank you.